Welcome back, everyone, to Authors on the Air. I'm glad you're here. If you don't recognize the handsome face sitting next to me, this is actor, producer, director, author, poet, and all-around great guy, Eric LaSalle. Hi, Eric. Thanks for having me. It's my my pleasure. I'm so glad we had a chance to talk a couple months ago and you agreed to come on the show. Thank you. Yes. So uh, most of you know that Eric has been a television and a film star. He's um, he produces, he directs, he still acts. He has what he calls his day job. But at night, his current passion, or one of them, is writing books, thrillers. And he has just finished his third book in the Martyr Maker novel series. This is the last one. It's called Laws of Annihilation. But you have some of the other books with you, don't you, Eric? Yes. Yes. The first book was uh, Laws of Depravity. Uh, and then the second book is Laws of Wrath. And then we have now Laws of Annihilation. Um, I would like you to give just an overview of this series because it's a large cast. Mm-hmm. It A lot of the characters move from book one to book two and then on into book three. But there's a changing dynamic in each book. You're targeting different storylines in each book. Yes. which is so fascinating because when I get the end of the book, I want to read the next one, mm-hmm. I, knowing there's a great story coming up. Can you give us the story arc on all three books? Well, what I wanted to do, uh, first of all, I, I um, had no idea that it would morph into multiple books. I had a fantasy um, 12 years ago of writing a novel, and I just wanted to tell a good story. And so Laws of Depravity was born uh, from that. Uh, And what I wanted to do, what I'd like to do is combine the various disciplines that I'm uh, blessed to be able to explore, whether it's directing, acting, um, you know, um, television, movies, uh, producing, et cetera. So um, my training is, you know, I I was trained at the Juilliard School and NYU's grad school in classical theater. And so... You know, you have this sort of, you know, what they call repertory theater. And so, you know, each night you could be doing, you could switch plays and switch roles. And so the person that was playing Othello on Thursday night on Saturday night might be playing a much smaller role, but it's the whole acting company. So I wanted to do that with the books where we had varying change of views, varying points of views where um, we have three protagonists. Uh, We have two New York City detectives that are partners. They're considered to be the best closers in all of New York. They only um, focus now on high profile serial killings. And so one of the partners, and tonally, uh, the first book feels very much like the movie Seven. So again, I like borrowing the different things that I'm exposed to to make a book feel like a movie, to make a, you know. Uh, So um, the first book focuses on the Italian-Irish cop. His name is Quincy Cavanaugh. He has an African-American cop by the name of Fee Freeman. And they're best friends. And uh, Fee Freeman is a former NFL uh, superstar. Um, his father is a uh, notorious 
uh, former gangster um, who went legit, but back in the day he was considered the godfather of Harlem. Uh, and so you have these two cops. Um, and so the first book, which dealt with um, a serial killer killing fallen clergy, um, pedophiles, charlatans, et cetera. So someone is targeting these falling, fallen clergy. Well, Quincy just so happens to have been a former altar boy when he was a child and he was abused by the same type of clergy. So he has a case now, one of the biggest cases of his career, and it brings up all of these weird feelings of, are these people innocent? Are they guilty? Should I care about them? But I'm, I'm a cop, I'm sworn to duty. So it, it creates a nice um, dilemma in the character, in the protagonist. The second book um, focuses a little more heavily on Fee Freeman, Fee, like I said, his father was a former gangster. Some of the things, some of the horrible things that his father did, because his father was ruthless, some of the former things that his, his father did come back to haunt him in a current case. So now Fee has, and it threatens his entire family. So Fee has a very personal uh, connection to it. Now, the third protagonist is uh, a uh, half-Jewish female FBI agent by the name of Janet Macklin. So Mac Janet Macklin meets our, our two guys on the first case, the Degler case, because you realize this character, Degler, the, 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 uh, the, the bad guy, has been basically killing for over 30 years. Wow. She's been chasing him on a federal level. Their cases collide and the three of them decide to work together um, because the Degler character would come out. He would kill 12 clergy. He would then disappear for 10 years. He'd resurface in another city and he'd do the same. He'd disappear. So now he's in New York. He's on our hero's home turf. Um, our FBI agent, Janet Macklin, follows him to New York from D.C. and she's trying to. So they start working together. The third book is focuses on Janet Macklin. Now, all three characters are are, are instrumental in all stories, but one of them has a little bit more of a personal stake, more of a personal point of view on the crimes. Quincy dealing with the clergy, Fee dealing with the uh, crimes of his, the past crimes of his father. Janet Macklin, who is, like I said, half Jewish, uh, the third book, Laws of Annihilation, someone is killing rabbis. So this is a woman who has not historically been as in touch with her culture and her religion, but now dealing with this, uh, this, this, this insane case, um, it brings her closer to it. And by the way, the very first chapter, she's diagnosed with stage four cancer. So she is in the process of dying when she gets this the biggest case of her career and a personal case. So that's the format where we basically switch who, like I said, everyone is instrumental in all books. The three right. of them are throughout, uh, but one of them will, will, it'll be more of their point of view depending on the crime. And so I just thought that was a really interesting way of telling stories and, and, and beginning to also know our protagonists on a very personal level. And we see, because um, when we're in their 
point of view. We also will go home with them. We'll see their love life. We'll see their personal life a little bit more than the others. And so everyone basically gets their own story, which is which is really, really cool. So that's it. I love the fact that you have these three strong characters who have their foibles, their own flaws. Um, <clears throat> they have their own personal history that affects them with the cases they're taking. My question to you is how do you create the, a different point of view and keep each character in character versus say they're three having a conversation and you kind of get lost in the shuffle. You're not sure how it is because nothing gets me out of a story. It's a speed bump for me. If I don't know who's talking, right. if, there's, if there's a thread of dialogue and I can't tell if it's Eric or Pam talking, right. It, it throws me completely off because I don't know what you're thinking. I can only surmise from your dialogue and from your characters. Mm -hmm. Is it difficult for you to, to create that dialogue that's different points of view each time? Not necessarily, because you have to realize, you know, I come from the acting world first and foremost. So as an actor and understanding characterization and understanding, I, what I find makes it less challenging is to just simply have a very clear point of view of what the person's voice is. And so yes. you have these very diverse, these, these three people are very diverse. Um, you have, you know, Quincy, who, like I said, is Irish, Italian, American. His father, his, his, his father was a cop. Uh, his brother is a priest. Um, he has a very, he has very specific rhythms. He has a very specific background. He has a, so when you lean into that, you start seeing this three-dimensional character evolve and, 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 it, and uh, equipped with their own voice. And then you take someone like Fee, who's African-American, who uh, spent a lot of time in Harlem. Uh, his father's this, you know, notorious African-American gangster. Um, so he grew up with a certain vernacular, certain rhythms. Uh, then when you throw in the mix a female, and not just a female, but you throw in an uh, FBI, she's an FBI agent. So technically she trumps them. So she comes in as a boss. Uh, she's been dealing with sexism her entire career. So she comes in with a certain, you have to find that voice that has that chip on the shoulder that, you know, makes her a boss and doesn't care, uh, hold her own, proves herself. So when you put these three interesting dynamic characters together, I think it elevates the story. I think it elevates. And I think it's, I think it's very easy to follow who the voices are because the voices are so distinct. So when you're in Quincy's point of view, you understand that 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 that's Qu Quincy's a little more gentle than Fee. Uh, Fee has a temper. Fee has um, uh, a certain um, urban dialect that he can connect to. So depending on who they're talking to, he might he might slide into something that Quincy can't slide into, that yes. that Macklin can't slide into. Uh, but you know, Macklin, when she's talking to her FBI superiors, she gets into her own thing. She's a female. She's a female in a predominantly male 
uh, world and dealing with her thing. So um, she's a woman searching for her spirituality and her connectiveness. And, and she starts connecting in Laws of Annihilation with a rabbi. Uh, and she starts learning. So we, so it's very, very clear and very distinctive, the voices. And I think that makes for better storytelling. It, it absolutely does. So I have, <clears throat> excuse me, a thought and then a question. Um, I worked for a police department and worked in the detective division. I was their victim advocate. Oftentimes I went with the black detective into the hood. Other times I went into the very well-to-do shopping area, small shopping area with another detective and then went on crime scene with a female detective. So I understand exactly what you're saying and the dynamics of a police procedural like that. It's fascinating. You've absolutely nailed the reality of it. Mm, the second you. thing is you mentioned because of your acting background, I think people know you because of ER first, mm -hmm. that was an ensemble cast. The, did that help you know how to create different characters? Because Lord knows every single one of those characters were different. The ones that stayed even for a season or half a season and over the course of the time that you were there. Do, does your acting career inform your writing career? Absolutely. It's a great question. Uh, I, you know, for years it took me, I was kind of uncomfortable in a weird way when people kind of asked me, what did I do? Because I was, I was starting to do more than acting. So you spend so much of your career, people say, what do you do for a living? I'm an actor. Well, then all of a sudden you start getting interested in directing. So what do you do for a living? Oh, I'm an actor and director. Uh, then you start getting into producing. What do you do for a living? Oh, I'm an actor, director, producer. <laughs> and you decide to become an author. Uh, I'm an actor. And so it took me a while to like, oh, that just feels kind of pretentious, this kind of list off things. And maybe about five or six years ago, I just said, I'm a storyteller. And you that's that everything. <laughs> And, and the cool thing about being a storyteller who gets to tell stories in many different mediums is taking advantage of all those mediums. So to answer your question, which I think is a great question, actually one of my favorite questions, is who I am as an actor has informed me as a writer. Because in my training, and I've, I've been blessed to have a classical training as an actor, one of the first things we learned, do not judge your character. So I don't write my my quote unquote villains are three dimensional. As a matter of fact, so much so, particularly in uh, the very first book, people were so torn who they were rooting for. Some people yeah. were rooting for this serial killer to kill these um, these 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 fallen clergy uh, because they did such heinous things like pedophilia and, sure. know, and charlatans, et cetera. So you create, so I don't judge my characters. And even in Laws of Annihilation, you have the story of white supremacists uh, that are basically trying to pit the African-American community against the Jewish um, American community. And so, even with that, I, as you know, as a as a black man, I'm I'm still not judging. I'm 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 
justifying because everyone is justified in what they do. Everyone feels justified. In what I, so I have a, I want to interrupt you there and I'm sorry to do this, but I, I, I ask this question all the time and, uh, and I'm not sure it's amazing. The different answers I get. Don't you think the bad guy is the hero of his own story though? Always. Your, 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 your antagonist is the hero in his own story, yes. whether law enforcement or you and I see him as such, like you said, in the first one, when someone's lashing out against the fallen priest and fallen clergy, it's almost hard to feel bad when so many have gone unpunished. Right. So in it, I get exactly what you're saying. And I, when I ask you about your acting informing you, I should have also said, you're producing and you're directing and you're writing too, because I would imagine you're so well-rounded in the creative field. I know you even wrote poetry for a while. You, mm -hmm. you said it was bad poetry. I don't know if it was or not. I've never read it, but, really? but, but one day maybe I will, <laughs> I'll find it. <laughs> but, yeah, but you are wholly creative. You're behind a camera occasionally. Mm -hmm. So right. you now you know what it feels to be like on both sides. You know what it feels like to write the story, to figure out how to bring the story to life. So, well, they feed, they feed each other because yeah. when I was in college studying, and you know, I was uh, a part of one's classical training is of course studying the classics. And so, if you look at Shakespeare, if you look at some of the most historically uh, villainous characters, um, Iago and Othello. Uh, Iago does some really, Richard III. But here's the thing, they are, they feel justified uh, and, and Shakespeare and great writers do a good job of saying, well, I understand this person feels passed over. This person feels um, that they are not respected. So they, you know, they, they, they lash out, they do this. Um, we also had a rule when I was uh, executive producer of Chicago PD. Uh, we had a rule, um, and I learned a valuable lesson because the top, the key writer who was my boss, the showrunner, uh, he said, everyone's right. Like that's what we, like we had a change in the show when both of us reached that point where we said, you know what, everybody, everybody in this show is right. So the villain is right. The good guy is right. Now the villain says, hey, listen, I've got to feed my family. I've got a family to feed. So if I need to go in and kill someone to get that food, I'm feeding my family. Right. Are they right in there? We might, we don't agree with their methodology. We don't agree with the lengths that they'll go to and, and violence. I'm not saying that, I'm simply saying, the basic thing is to protect one's family, to feed yeah, one. He's the hero of his family. The hero of his family, exactly. And so when you combine all of that with storytelling, it's so cool. So yes, my acting influences my writing, my acting influences my directing, my acting, my, my acting influences what kind of producer I am. Because when I became an executive producer, one of the first things I said was, my goal is to be the type of producer that I've always wanted to work with. I want to be that for 
actors. I want to be that for crew. I want to be that for executives. I want to I want to be this person who's a straight shooter, who knows how to tell a story, who knows how to talk to writers. I don't you know, you never want to be dismissive and disrespectful to another artist. So but people don't know. There are many directors in Hollywood that do not know how to talk to actors. Oh, I'm they sure. They don't know, right? I'm and sure. so being so when I became a director, um, I became known as a performance director because I because I spoke the language of actors. I knew how not just what to say to them, but how to say it. And so that gave me a, a, a leg up in in, in, in sort of uh, distinguishing myself uh, as a writer. Um, the more I write. I can be on set and something's bumping in the script. It's not quite working. Well, I know how to talk to a writer in a respectful manner and not dismiss their work because I don't understand. Hey, just change a line. No, it's not that simple. It's right. understanding that one line changes everything, though, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. So if I, but if you can come and you can talk. And, and, and speak in that manner where they understand that you respect the craft, you understand yeah. the craft. Um, I So everything affects. And so when I'm writing novels, I'm also, I'm, I'm playing out characterization. I'm, I'm harkening back to uh, the, the acting school days, you know, where you're, you're playing different characters and how does this, what's the rhythm? So they all feed each other. And, uh, and I feel very blessed to be able to draw from so many different things and then combine them and right. complement each other. Yes. Right. I want to ask you some questions, not non-book related, but first of all, um, I'd like you to tell everybody your website. I am at, um, I am Eric LaSalle, uh, 23. So uh, we have been focusing a little bit more. We're beginning with sort of, moving it around and and coming because now again we had to come up with the website that served everything many purposes <laughs> many it purposes is, it's multi-purpose multi-purposing in one place there's so much information there about you so it's it's bio it's books it's filmography it's television producing yeah. directing you probably create music and i don't know about that too so <laughs> Or, uh, or love a certain kind of music. Yeah, uh, everything so it's, you know, so it's challenging. So like to make, again, you know, to make things as fluid for people as possible. So we've constantly been, you know, and I think we're, you know, we're in a good place where we keep feeding, you know. Um, I have a new show that I uh, just finished filming that I'm the uh, director, producer, and I'm acting in. Can you tell uh, us about it? Yes, it's a, it's a new show for... Uh, uh, Amazon, and it's from Dick Wolf, and it's his first um, time doing streaming because uh, he's wow. always, always been network. So I directed the pilot, and I direct half the episodes. There are eight episodes uh, I direct four, and then uh, another director um, uh, by the name of Brenda Malloy directs uh, the other four. And so, but this is something that I wanted to. Uh, produce. I wanted to be the director, and I wanted to act in it. And I don't do all of that a lot together. Um, most of the focus has been directing and producing. And then sometimes, if you're acting, it's just acting. But this was just something that I really wanted to sort of put my stamp on it across the board. 
And it's the triple so, crown, Eric. It's the triple crown for you. Yeah. We don't see you doing that that often. So yeah. I'm thrilled. I hope that that comes to fruition more for you. If this is a positive outcome, I hope you do it again. Well, you know, the, the great thing, the great thing is actually having choices. And, 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 you know, when I started directing 20 years ago, it was, it was meant to empower myself. I, I did it too. I didn't want to feel, um, I had gone through something as an actor. I'd been working on a film very hard only to be fired because they thought I looked too young, um, to play the love interest of, of the woman that I was cast against. And so I was like, I don't want to spend the rest of my career. I need, I need more stability, more um, power. And so I started directing. And so now uh, what you, you know, what, what I'm blessed to have are choices. I, I can choose to say, okay, you know what? I want to pursue this as a director. I want to pursue this as an actor. I want to pursue this as an author. I want to, and I think just kind of creating these options, the, the love of storytelling doesn't change. No. How one, how one pursues it yes. can't. The and medium so changes maybe, but this, but the storytelling uh, love doesn't stop. No. Um, will you write another book in the Murder Maker series? I will actually, I'm writing two. Two more. And, and I will decide after. So I did something really interesting. I wrote what I thought was going to be the fourth book. But in talking to my agent, there is a character outside of our three protagonists that needs their own story. Oh, so boy. the last two books are with, of course, our three protagonists doing what they do, right. but again, from a slightly different point of view. So now what was, I, what I thought was going to be the fourth book is now my fifth book. I'm currently writing the fourth book. Ah, okay. So I tried to switch because I was like, yeah, before we get to this character, it's sort of a spinoff character. Um, it's, it's more of a peripheral character that now gets their own book. But oh, I, but I love that. Yeah, yeah. I, I, love, I love characters that talk they, to you. They talk and, to you. They're just saying, yeah, they they talk to you and they, they, they demand. my own story, right? <laughs> yes, and this one this one demanded yeah. that, it, that, that they have their own story. And so I did it. I wrote it. I was really, really proud of it. Uh, and then my agent said it, but I think before we do that, I think we need to clean up some stuff in, in that. And so and that will bridge it together. Yeah. Good so there will you. be so ultimately there will be five books and uh, and then I'll decide if I want to remain in the genre that I'm in, if I want to switch genres, uh, whatever. But I do feel like in five, I'll sort of get to wrap up a lot of things. And then you can, of course, I, I just, I didn't want to be an author. Some authors I read that have, and I'm, I'm a little envious of them on one hand and, and, and not on the other, but you know, sometimes you read an author and they've got 23 books in a series. Uh, and you're like, wow, the volume of that on one hand, but then somewhere around book four, they just became cases. They might have been much more interesting and character driven. And now they're just shades of that. You're just you're just churning them out. You know what I mean? You're just you're, 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 I understand you're, what you're saying. And I bet we're even thinking about the same author. <laughs> yeah, you know, and you go, it's a good it's a good read, but it's not like 
back in the day when you were really doing character stuff and you were right. really and so I say that to say, I mean, on one hand, I'd love to have 23 books under my belt. I would love that. But at the same time, not at the risk of feeling like, well, I'm just churning out yet another case. Here's a crazy serial killer. The good guys goes after the bad guy. We know what's going to happen. I right. think like now my books are um, unique enough because it's not the focus isn't always whether or not the good guys will get the bad guys. A lot of the focus and what makes this a really cool thriller is at what cost Yes. And will our protagonists survive intact? Will they? Because as again, as you are questioning things, are you as you're dealing with personal things? So Quincy in the first book, he committed himself to being a cop, but he doesn't necessarily have compassion for these victims because he was abused right. so he's got to find a way to reconcile so it's that's at that part of the story is as intriguing as him pursuing the bad guy so so my books are not my stories are not just focused on good guy catching bad guy because we pretty much know 99 percent of the time when we read these books the good guy is going to catch the bad guy he's going to prevail yeah Right. Because, it, because otherwise they would be incompetent. So I I add different layers where you feel what where my protagonists are in jeopardy of losing their souls in pursuit of this. So yes, they might catch the bad guy, but they might lose their souls in the process of doing so it. So from book it. one to book two, Quincy changes. He has repercussions from book one. Yes. Correct. Yes. That's what I want to see. I want to see a character who feels the effects or whatever has happened, good or bad, from the prior case. Because right. then you don't show character growth if it's not there. This exactly. the story feels stale. Like you were saying, you know, you wish you could have the 23 books because how lovely would that be? But if your character's not changing just the story, right? Then then you're just you're just telling us it's episodic versus exactly. now. So you understand what I'm saying. Thank you for that. I, I have a couple of things I want to ask you before I let you go. If in all your artistic creative endeavors, when you look back, what's the most favorite thing you did? Or can you even say that? No, because each one I, I look at, I look at books, I look at accomplishments, uh, creative accomplishments as children. I, I don't have children, but I, I think that, you know, you well, do you love one child more, more than, the, than other, the other? Right. And you love, I think, I think you love children for different reasons. Someone might, this child might excel at sports. And if you are, if you were an athlete, of course, you have a certain bond with that child uh, or, or vice versa, uh, academics, et cetera. So when I look at my journey and I look at the things I'm trying to accomplish, the things I have accomplished and uh, the things hopefully I will accomplish, um, I, I love them for different reasons. I love certain stories like I might have liked the results of something more than others, but did I like the process? I might this might have been an amazing journey that I had, met sure. some great people. Um, didn't turn out the way that I would have liked artistically, 
But man, it was such a life changing person. The ride was there. The ride the was ride there. Was, the ride exactly. is always the reason, right? It yeah. isn't the destination, so, it's the ride. Well, you know, so it's hard to say, well, I like this more than I like that. I, I mean, my very first movie that I directed was uh, a movie called Rebound uh, for HBO. And uh, I'm proud of, so proud of that because it was my, it's my firstborn. So when I look at my books, I go, well, this is my firstborn. I can look at right now, if I look at the fourth book that's already written, that will be book five. In some ways, I look at that and say, this is, this represents my best writing because there of the growth. Like there each each time out, you grow, you grow, you grow. But then at the same time, the first book out, you're like, wow, I had the courage to just do it. And and it was from, it was visceral. It was from the heart. It was soul. Like maybe, maybe I had to learn more technique, which comes in time. But if I just look at how organic this story is, I'm proud of that. I'm proud of the second one because I see growth and I see more layered storytelling. So right, each right, right, one right. represents, and it's the same thing, whether I'm directing, whether I'm acting, whether I'm producing, I've, I I have love for them all because they're all blessings to me, um, but I might love them for different reasons. Is there something creatively or and or artistically you still want to do that you haven't done? Well, I the, the goal for me, the thing that I've been striving for from day one uh, is I'd like to end up in a position that many people, if any, are there, which is this. There hasn't been that I know of, I'm not saying that they don't exist, but if they do, it's such a minority, a very successful actor who has a very successful directing career who has a very successful producing career, who then has a very successful author career, writer's career. So now take all of that and then do all of that to literally like, you know, when we, when, when writers, when authors do their books, they hope that a producer comes along and options the books and they, sign their rights away and then they're always disappointed in how the book turned out and we all we always say the book was so much better well i i stand a, a good chance at being the bridge because i'm i'm learning about both worlds obviously i've yes. been doing the cinematic world and the tv world for yes close to 40 years. Uh, I'm relatively much younger and newer as an author. I've been doing this for 12 years. But combining that and say, I want to uh, co-write, I want to direct, um, I may do an acting role in it, and I'm going to produce the streaming series or the movie series. That really hasn't been done to have one person that I know of, again, I, I could, I stand to be corrected possibly, but um, I, I know like, for instance, Steve Martin wrote a book called Shop Girl, which was then turned into a movie, but Steve, he didn't direct it. Uh, Ethan Hawke uh, wrote a novel. Uh, Sean Penn 
wrote a novel that got panned. Um, but again, these these didn't go on to become beyond. But yeah, you have the director or author or whatever. But to put all of those things together is definitely the fantasy, um, the dream. Um, and that's why I am building this franchise. And then by book five, we want to see, and, and obviously now we start getting little nibbles here and there, sure. uh, studios. But that's, but yes, that is the goal to be able to have the author be the uh, screenwriter or part or one of the screenwriters, uh, the director, the producer, the actor too. <laughs> and, yeah, throw throw an acting role, and I don't have to do anything big in it. Uh, just you know, just enough to be able to say. Right. Wow, he pulled off. He pulled off something that is rare, or or has never happened. And like I said, I don't have enough. I, the little research that I've done, I can't come up with anyone. If if someone has done all of that, I, Michael Crichton was incredible. I don't know that he was ever an actor, right. but he was an author. Who was you know he directed some stuff. He wrote you know so. But I I I would be one of if not the one of the few, very few, if not the only, to pull that off. So that's that's the goal. That's the fantasy. That's the dream. I, I love that. And you've got to set the goals real, real high. You know, yeah. you, you you got to be able to reach for something. It can't be low-hanging fruit. You just got to exactly. get up there and reach. Exactly. Exactly. Eric, I, I always enjoy talking to you. Same I here. hope you'll come back when the next, whatever your next project is, give me a ring. Let's get together again. Um, my guest today, for those of you who've never seen a television show uh, or watched a movie or saw um, Coming to America, where you're so cute in that film, <laughs> watched a soap opera, read a book, stopped by a book conference. My guest today is the wonderful Eric LaSalle. I'm proud to call him friend. I'm glad he calls me his friend. You yes. will come back someday, won't you? I will definitely come back. I love I love the invitation. You've been you're one of the few people when you meet at these big conventions who's just, you know, delivers and you know, people come and talk a lot. You came and everything that you've said has been helpful, has been supportive, has been appreciated oh, uh, and has been real. Uh, you, you know, and and I I, I mean, and I've, I've been you you you've put me in touch with so many uh, wonderful people to talk to, and everyone delivers, and that and that's rare. And I you might you might take it for granted. I don't. It's rare to find someone who presents themselves uh, a certain way. They back it up. Uh, and you realize the respect. So so thank you so much. And I oh, it's up. been my pleasure. It's been absolutely my pleasure. I I'm thrilled. Thank you so much. Um, thank you for listening, everybody. And I'll see you next time. Mm -hmm.